Happy New Year and welcome to the Phoenix Nest, the podcast where bad bitches read romance. I'm Kat. And I'm Jess. And today we're going to be discussing The Bromance Book Club by Lissa K. Adams. Woohoo! I know, it's going to be so good. But before we get started, I'd like to remind you to rate and subscribe on your preferred podcast app so others can find us. We'd also like to remind you that you can find us on Instagram at the PHX Nest Pod and on Twitter at PHX Pod. You'll find these links as well as the link to our blog and email address in the show notes. Now on to our book. Oh man, we talked about why we chose some of the books for 2020 last time we recorded, which seems like it was a million years ago. Why does it seem so long ago? Because it was like a month. We were on like vacation and we were doing all kinds of fun shit. And we had like done or tried to do like an early recording so that we could put stuff out on time and it's just like... It was just a lot. There was a lot going on. There was on. a lot. And then, and then it was, uh, it was just too much. But, um, this is one of the authors that will be on the panel at the Tucson Festival of Books, which Jess is going to be, you know. I'm hosting a panel. Yeah. Moderating one of those panels. Who I are the am other moderators? You terrified. Know? I haven't met any of the other moderators. Um, I, I am. I feel like you should get to know them so that you guys know, like. What we're doing. <laughs> Well, not just that, but, like, what if you all prepare the same questions, and then you're like, oh, shit, that's my question. Oh, shit, that's so my question. So, we're all doing different panels. Oh, okay. So, I have my own panel, and let me just tell you, I finally got the lady balls. Okay, so first off, I was on vacation, things were great, had a fun time visiting my family, it was awesome. I came back, and I was like, okay, I need to buckle down, and I need to get shit done for this moderator panel thing. Yeah. And then I got sick. Which always, like... <laughs> fucks up your you're just like everything you're just like i can't i felt like i got hit by a mac truck and then it was really weird because like my throat was so swollen i was choking on my tonsils and then that stopped and then i added the nose thing and then that stopped and then i was like i'm gonna lose my voice this is awful i didn't thank god has anyone ever told you that you use a lot of detail i do I know. It's just a thing. So I finally got the Lady Balls, and um, I emailed my authors. Yep. And we discussed this via text because you're like, oh my god, what do I say? It was It was scary. You did a great job. I did, and I don't know why I panicked, because only one of the three authors emailed me back. Um, They're busy, too. They are. One of them I know for sure is on deadlines, so fair. Like, but also, yeah. I'm watching you on Twitter, girl. I know you're on there. Send me an email back. It's fine. <laughs> Anyways, we've decided to do one book from each of the authors slash author duos. Mm-hmm. That will be there to kind of not just, in a weird sense, like prep ourselves for this panel. I'm not participating in the panel. Nope. But I'm going to do my damnedest to be there because it sounds like fun. Um, but we just want to expand and explore into this so that if you're someone who lives in Tucson and goes to festival books, you can know what we have to say about this kind of stuff. Yeah. And see, like, maybe if that inspires you to read the same books and then you can fight with us in person or something. I don't know. Listen, I don't I'm want going, you to fight with us, but hey. I'm going to be walking around. I'm probably going to be wearing one of our shirts um, that we had made for ourselves. And I believe I'm going to be ordering some bookmarks to be same passing out. out. Yes. So. That would be good. Just so you know, um, I'll advertise kind of where I'm at. Of business cards. Stickers. Yeah. I'll probably pick up some stickers again. Some swag, some stuff we all get. Yay. <laughs> I'm so excited. So, yeah, we're going to be doing that. I'll be walking around. So I will kind of post a little more when it's closer to that time. This isn't until March. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. But, I mean, 
It's already almost the end of January. Oh, <laughs> it's so crazy. Which is, we're halfway through, and just, I don't want to say that we've kind of made a resolution to just be better at things, but I feel like in the last couple months, we've gotten a lot better at planning yeah. what we're doing when mm-hmm. we do our recordings, and just kind of, like, hammering down some of the finer details that, like, if you listen to our beginning of our podcast... We don't suck. I will never say we suck. There was one where we did suck, and we never released it, and it's in the deep, dark abyss of trash. It's on my computer but, somewhere, I don't even know where. <laughs> but we've just gotten a lot better <laughs> at um, the way we plan things, and I feel like that's not a resolution or anything, because we do resolutions. We're less off the cuff than what we used to be. We have a list that we go through every time we record now. Which is funny that we didn't start that, because I'm so list-centric. Like, you I are. get real list-happy. It's ridiculous. It's fun. But, it's fun. Uh, it helps. So, yeah, let's talk about... Oh, but we have to read oh, our wait. synopsis, and it's oh, your turn. Oh, it's my turn to read the synopsis. I know. It's been so long, I don't even know how to do this anymore. Our pattern's a little thrown off. It is. All right, so the synopsis says, The first rule of book club, you don't talk about book club. Nashville legend second baseman Gavin Scott's marriage is in a major league trouble. He's recently discovered a humiliating secret. His wife, Thea, has always faked the big O. When he loses his cool at the revelation, it's the final straw on their already strained relationship. Thea asks for a divorce, and Gavin realizes le- realizes he's let his pride and fear get the better of him. Welcome to the Bromance Book Club. Distraught and desperate, Gavin finds help from an unlikely source, a secret romance book club made up of Nashville's top alpha men. With the help of their current read, a steamy Regency novel titled Courting the Countess, the guys coach Gavin on saving his marriage, but it'll take a lot more than flowery words and grand gestures for this hapless Romeo to find his inner hero and win back the trust of his wife. Okay, so I know that we want to jump into this, but I guess like the first and most natural question that we have to address, because if we don't, someone's going to be a smarty pants and ask us, is, have you ever faked it? Yes. Really? Uh-huh. Li- I, w- I was married to a loser. <laughs> okay. So there's, there's a lot that goes into this. Yes. I, okay. was, I was married to a loser. So when we first got married, no, I had never. <laughs> but it's accurate <laughs> when you think about it. And to be fair, I've never met your ex-husband. I just know stories. So I can't really give like a a real opinion on this, but it's just really funny to be like, I was married to a loser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, when you first get married and everything is great, um, I think a lot of our marriage was based on lust at the beginning. And um, there there was a very short courtship. Uh, I was only with him for 45 days before we got married. I saw you tweeted that on, <laughs> on some Twitter that we follow, but I was like, oh dear God, like that's so short. That was on... That's a thing that I imagined myself doing. <laughs> yeah, that was, I believe that was textual ten- tensions. Yeah, yeah, um, that's what Twitter was. question. Um, yeah, I was with my ex-husband for 45 days before we got married. We were married for almost five years. Um, celebrated our fifth anniversary in the middle of divorce. Uh, yeah, so you have that chemistry at the beginning where you think all is great, nothing can kind of ruin your day, and then at the end, I was like, I don't even want to look at you. It was, it was mechanical, it was awful, so yeah, 100% faked it. That's so bad, and I don't, like, I don't want to say, well, it's because you only knew him for 45 days, because I don't feel like that's true. It's because I only knew him for 45 days. But for other people, that worked. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I but there was I'm not a lot saying, of like those shows like like the ninety day fiance <laughs> thing doesn't work out or like the ma- oh my god the married at first sight people freak me the fuck out 
Okay, but can we talk about your you obsession with to, 90 Day Fiance? Oh, my students know <laughs> I had this obsession, too. It's so bad. Um, yeah, and they have a new series. Um, I can't remember what it's called on TLC right now. Mm-hmm. That's similar, and it's like the first 20, they call the first 24 hours that these couples are getting to know each other. I'm oh, like, God. Oh, it's so awkward. It starts out with, like, their flights to whatever country. Oh, God. But yeah, I watch a lot of it. I I don't think I'm up to date on it right now. I've been very busy, but um <laughs> have you ever it's faked just it? A lot. You'd think I'd say yes, but no. Wow. Because okay, but here's like the twisted part. Because men assume that you're just like whatever or they you don't talk about it. Yeah. Depending on who this is, right? Mm-hmm. Which <laughs> is like, oh, okay. I can specifically remember being told that I had come and being like, um, I know my body now. How do you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> are you sure? <laughs> so, like, I was telling, who was telling? I was telling my sister something about, like, when you're too cocky and you just start fucking up or something. And yeah. It's like, that's the problem. That's the problem. You think that you are God's gift to my vagina and you are not. <sighs> and that's kind of how Gavin felt. Which, okay, this also kind of goes into this whole alpha male thing. It was interesting because they didn't, um, talk too much about the other men and what it meant to be alphas. When we think alphas, we're thinking Fifty Shades of Grey bullshit. Because we've been kind of trained to be like, Dom is alpha. Yes. But that's not how that works. Alpha no. male is like, you're the leader, like, whatever. You're charismatic. You're you, confident. You're whatever. Yeah. So this is like a group of men that's mainly athletes. Mm-hmm. And then some like, big business owners and like, investors and like, whatever. And, um, that's what their group is made up of. But when you say alpha male, that's not always what you think. But it does make sense in the context of sports. Yeah. that's a yeah. very alpha male friendly population. It's very alpha driven, if you will. Yeah. When are you going to see a soft cinnamon roll in sports who doesn't have the alpha persona? Just, yeah. You don't. You don't. You just don't. I don't even follow sports. So I'm just like, I wouldn't even know. But. No. And uh, so, yeah, the, that's that's an interesting thing to go off of on this book because it is it opens up with Gavin face down in a hotel room's carpet. Just drunk as shit. Drunk as shit. Oh he's so drunk. So drunk. And it's all because he found out his wife Thea was faking it almost their entire marriage. And I think this also draws like a big line too because if it's someone you're hooking up with because we're in the Tinder era. Oh, God. You may not have that conversation. It may not matter to either of you. hmm But if you've been married for years and years, you should probably have some conversations about what your sex life is like. You're not doing it right. Please stop touching me like that. Let me show you. Yeah, like, I feel like if you're going to have sex with a person consistently, you should be able to also talk about that sex. Yes. And that's something that goes hand in hand with, like, we've talked about consent and, like, condoms and, like, all this stuff. If you aren't comfortable enough to say, hey, get a condom, maybe you shouldn't be having sex. If you're not comfortable enough to say that, you're definitely not going to be comfortable enough to say, I like these things and I don't like these things. Please stop doing that thing and do it this way. Also, if someone gets mad at you because you're like, I don't like that, you should probably stop having sex with them because that means they're not just, they're just not respecting your boundaries physically or emotionally at that point say like well i like it like this it's like hey but that doesn't work for me that's not what i like it's not a thing we're here for both of us and if you're not willing to give and receive what's the point don't do it so um said (laughs) (laughs) yeah um oh man so 
yeah, there's just a lot that goes into, like, not only just real-life sexual relationships, but, like, this one specifically. Because that was one of the things that we specifically want to talk about, not just the honesty in sex, but that the switch from talking only about sex with your partner to talking about your full relationship was a problem in this book. Yeah, yeah. And it came to the point where they're living essentially separate lives, Mm -hmm. Gavin and Thea, and her role was, like, be this perfect wag, wife and girlfriend. Ugh. I don't like that term, and I know it's a real term, plays with you. I hated it. I hated it a lot, but I also had more to say about that whole situation, and we'll get to that later. Yeah. But it was less focused on just talking about their sex lives, and, you know, at the beginning it was just he thought he did this one thing wrong, and she was the reason why it happened. Right. And he couldn't be with someone who wasn't going to tell him the truth. Which is also fair, because if you've been lying about... Something where you're, that's your person that you're going to be the most comfortable with to do all these other things with. Yeah. Naked or not, you should be able to talk about stuff. You should be able to, yeah. And it went from turning the focus from what happens in the bedroom to turning the focus on their actual relationship and how to make it work and how to fix the problems within it. Right. Because the problems weren't just centered around their sex lives. The problems seeped out of that, out of the bedroom, and they went into their actual daily lives. I mean, Gavin is gone all the time. He plays baseball. He's got a big career going. Yeah. Um, And it's one of those things where it's like, well, that's what she signed up for. And yes, maybe that is. But he also acknowledges in this book that, like, she didn't know that. And I feel like that's something a lot of people don't understand if you are married to someone who is a service profession Mm -hmm. or, you know, like, military doctor, whatever. They're gone. They're gone. Yeah. Not really by choice. Like, yeah, it's their choice of profession, but it's a demanding profession. And that's what athletics does, too. Yeah. So I, I'm going to say I married a loser. He was also in the military. (laughs) I'm not saying people. We're not saying people in the military losers. We're not. No. We have lots of military people and we love them dearly. We do. Um, My ex-husband, not one of them. That's different. He's He's very excluded from that group. But but they know what they're signing up for is my point. He knew they're what he was signing up for. Voluntarily joining the military, the service, mm-hmm. or whatever they know. I did not know, and that's the difference. And that's like the whole idea behind wives, specifically wives and girlfriends in mm-hmm. some cases are also technically serving. Yeah, because they have to go through certain hardships, but they're not at all always the same as the hardships that their counterparts are facing. Yeah. Whether it's male or female, it doesn't matter. They're they're very different roles that you have to take. Um, Mm -hmm. There were specific times when my ex-husband was gone, um, and I was pregnant during this time. We talked about this a little bit last night. Yeah, we did. And um, it was interesting to take on the head of household role while he was gone. The only person in the household was me and my cats. But there were things that I had to do that he wasn't here to do for me. I had doctor's appointments that I had to drive myself to. We lived on base. I don't know where the fuck I was going. Had to learn that really quick. There were roles that that I had to learn in being a military spouse. And so this is also different, too, though. Like, we understand that technically, yeah, you're going through that hardship and you're serving and all this stuff. But I know that from conversations with my sister, Mm -hmm. she will say things that, like, she hates when military wives wear their husband's rank. Ugh, And we had an example of that in this book. It wasn't military. It was was athletics-based. Yep. But we have a very similar example of that in this book where the accomplishment that your spouse has somehow gets twisted to be your accomplishment, and it makes you feel like you have better status. And that's 
specifically the reason my sister didn't join a lot of military wives organizations because it was like, well, what's your husband drink? Why does it matter? And I'm sorry, but like she was brand new to this. Yeah. And he was too. His rank's not going to be high. Mm-mm. So she's like, I'm not doing this like sorority bullshit. No. Like I'm here to support my husband and if he needs me to do this, I'm going to do it. Which is what Theo was doing. Which is exactly this what Theo was doing. all ties in. I know it sounds like we're ranting, but it all ties in and I promise it does. <laughs> it does. And we will say that we really, I really enjoyed this book. Um, I know you had some problems to begin with. You were unsure. <laughs> okay, so this takes us back, like, to our other episode. You read on the plane, right? I read a majority of this on the plane. Um, I read probably about five chapters before I left. By the time I landed in Minneapolis, I had a three-hour flight at night with someone next to me who kept coughing and didn't know oh. how to play Sudoku. It was awful. So I read the entire time, and by the time I landed, I only had about six chapters left. Okay. So I read a good chunk of this on the plane. Okay. And I loved every second of it. <laughs> and I don't know if it was because it saved me from the monotony of being on a three hour flight. Which would be fair. Yes. Yes. And where did you read it? I read this to read first leg or second leg. I don't know. But it was either between Tucson and Dallas or Dallas and Wichita. And I read this sandwich between two burly men who are my friends that I was traveling with. So I don't think they'll listen to this, but shout out to them because I love them and they were precious. And I kept fanning to read them all the sex stuff. And they're like, no. And then one of them was like, I can just imagine. I was like, I don't think that's how that works. No. It's not the same as like watching porn. Definitely not. Um, but they're like... I think if I had read it out loud to them on the crowded plane, they would have been, like, livid. <laughs> Mortified. Been yeah, they wouldn't have been happy. But, yeah, so I read, like, the first half on one of the legs, and then I kind of gave up. Because it's hard to read when you're sandwiched between people. Not that these people that I'm sandwiching are, like, enormous giants and, like, awful, but just, like, the mechanics of, like, how you hold the book and where it is and turning pages was, yeah i was like okay i did that for two hours i'm dead now i read a so. lot of one-handed and then you have to weirdly like and i well like, i've i've got that down my hands aren't big enough you're not no you have very small hands we've talked about childlike fingernails we've talked about cat being childlike in some weird ways it's so dumb <laughs> it's so dumb like my feet are like baby feet they are i'm so and jealous my hands are small but they're why they duck <laughs> but you never had <laughs> but you never had your dad tell you that your feet were like oil tankers yeah it's weird it's like i can specifically remember when i was growing up i had to buy like i didn't okay i didn't have to buy it was like real, i didn't care about shoes or anything because i didn't give a shit but like i feel like i wore like women's eight or nine in like fifth grade but now that i'm older i wear like a seven and a half and i can wear like children's shoes and i don't understand what happened I was in fifth grade wearing a size nine. I have huge feet. They're awful. Yeah. But like, I always forget that my feet are small. And then I like try on other people's shoes. And I'm like, how do you walk in these clown shoes? <laughs> Especially the guys. Oh, They're God. all like, oh yeah, we have like a 13 or a 14. I'm like, how? It's so weird. Anyways, so we both read this. You were going to vacation. I was going to move mm-hmm. my sister with my, our friends and stuff. Um, but we had both been like, oh man, we have to read while we're gone or we're going to be like way behind. Okay. Can we talk about though, how we were like, we have to read while we're gone or we're going to be way behind. I am way ahead. I'm not. I'm on track. You're on track. I'm on track. I am never ahead. 
That is true. So go 2020. Hey, look at that. <laughs> I'm doing good. Um, there were some things that I noticed though. We're gonna move into our list now. We already got some of this down. Um, and we'll go more in depth in some of sex, it. We checked mine right off. <laughs> oh yeah, that was right off the bat. Um, the first thing, the first thing I actually want to talk about is editing in this book. This has nothing to do with Lissa at all. No. I want to know. This book was published by Berkeley. This is our second or third, possibly even our fourth. I can't remember. Personal reading, it's like my fourth because I read the other Jasmine gallery one. Because you don't like yourself very much. Well, I wanted to see if it started better. <laughs> I was trying to give her a fair chance. Um, so I have a lot of questions because we've read a few of them. I've read them just in my own personal life and I've noticed some things as well. Mm-hmm. There are some editing issues. Mm-hmm. And I want to know, is Berkeley attempting to stay on track with Avon? Because Avon shoots them out. They stacks and stacks a week, right. man. And Berkeley's like, here's four months doing our best to stay relevant. But I noticed that the editing is not always on par. And there were a couple times where I was reading and I had to read the sentence three or four times to figure out what the fuck was being said. When you do that, do you make a face? Because I find myself making like a weird face with the book and I'm like, ugh, moving on. I read one sentence four times, still couldn't figure it out, so I said, fuck it. Did you mark it? I think I did. See if you mark it, because I want to see, because I don't remember what they were. I um, work with children, Uh so I glaze over a lot of issues like that, because even though I I love editing and I like correct grammar, (laughs) um, I, I work with middle schoolers, and there's just no way that there's going to be a really great grammatically correct paper that I read. So I just kind of glaze over that kind of stuff usually. Um, but it is weird because you're I took them people. out. Oh, really? I did. That's not like you. That isn't like me because they would have been yellow. I have a weird thing about tabs in books. All of the colors mean something. Yellow means that it annoyed me a lot, and I don't have any yellow tabs in here. That's weird. That is really weird. I must have taken them out. What the hell? I don't like that. But anyways, when you have an editor, you expect them to do their full job. And I think when you find a lot of mistakes, to be fair, this wasn't the most mistakes we found in a book. No. It's just, it seems like it's a consistent issue within Berkeley. Yeah. And it's things that are, like, grammatically incorrect. Um, There was a whole sentence that didn't make sense. Or where it, like, skips a word and it jumps and you're like, Hmm. Good thing my brain can fill that in. Or sometimes they they start the sentence and then realize they have a different train of thought. I do this personally, and then I change my train of thought in the middle of the sentence right. and forget to take that one part out. And I think the sentence that made no sense had that situation in it. Editors do better, please. Just please, so that it doesn't annoy me. But this is a no part. I'll tell you what I tell my kids. When you're editing for yourself or others, read out loud. Yes. Or... In your head, read with an accent because it forces you to stumble through every single word and decode it in a different voice, mm-hmm. and you'll catch a lot more mistakes. I edit for I read a everything friend. out loud. Everything I write, I look at it and I read it out loud, and I mouth it to myself like a weirdo, and I'm like, oh, okay. I'm fine. Uh, yeah, I edit for a friend, and when I do the editing for her, I read them out loud so that I can get the and flow. And you feel dumb in the moment, but then you're like, oh, that didn't work. Yeah, that's a why I edit time, alone. I think in books I find the issues with tenses, mm-hmm. and that's an issue that we have, like, just speaking and stuff in society anyways. Yeah. But it bothers me 
when it's in a book. Because I'm like, it's supposed to be proper grammar. Please try. Anyways. But yeah, this has no bearing on how I liked the book or how I feel about the book. And it's no bearing whatsoever on Lissa K. Adams at all. It's just something that I noticed and I wanted to point out. Period. End of story. We just have questions. We just have questions. I just want to know. But I'm also very inquisitive and want to know everything. Anyway, um, where do we want to go next? Um, we talked a little bit about the communication between Gavin and Thea, um, how it changes. Let's. Do you want to go a little more in depth in that? I mean, I think we can. I feel <laughs> that communication is just something that everyone has problems with. Like, there's no one that you can sit across and be like, Gosh, you are, like, the best communicator of all time. It's just not possible. No. Like, the way we perceive things is really different. Mm -hmm. Um, Your personal emotions being mixed into things that aren't personal makes it really difficult sometimes. Um, Just, like, unintended tones that people use or words that you have personal feelings about people use. Like, we were talking about different words for vagina earlier. And you're arguing (laughs) about, like, what's fair and soft. But it's because we're different people. So, like, we both agree that the word punani is terrible. That is an awful word. Don't say it. But we also agreed that cat feels a lot different for the word kitty than <laughs> I do. And she says that it's loads better than punani. And yeah. I think it's only just barely better. Okay, but then you have other things thrown in there that are also terrible. We're going to make a list. So we have a list that we share on our we phones. We stopped doing it, but we need to go back in there. Yeah, and it's it's... Pet names, and I think we're going to go into words for vagina where we rank them. It's bad. It's what we do on our free time. We're bored. It's it's just a thing. Yeah, we have a lot of lists of things. <laughs> our poor friends. Oh, my God. I, like, I literally will make notes of lists and share them with people. I did this to you yesterday, yep. but I do it to my brother-in-law and my sister. And I'm like, here's the list of things we're going to do. And they're like, oh, cool, we can check them off. And I'm like, thank God. Like, we're all very supportive of, supportive of your list making. It's like a weird addiction. We love them. I make a list at least once a day. Anyways, um, communication's hard. It's difficult. And we had the discussion last night where, you know, we had girls on the garage night, um, drank some wine, had some fun. We had a lot to talk about. We had a lot of podcasts to talk about. We had a lot of catching up for vacations to talk about. We had just... Venting a little bit. Stuff like... The first week that we were both physically in Arizona for 2020 mm-hmm. was so difficult. So difficult. You were up with your sister and brother-in-law. I was down here sick. We just had a lot. Thought we I just haven't been able to communicate yeah. as openly as we normally would. So but. we're good, though, in regards to communication in that we try to make time to sit down and talk. Right. And we talked last night about how you and I have a fairly good line of communication going fairly at all times. Yeah. We, there's never really a time where we're like, can't say that. There's times when I'll send you something and my mom will be like, that's rude. <laughs> and I'm like, no, it's not because it's Jess. It's different. <laughs> it's just but. how we talk. My mom thinks it's funny because my mom will ask me, well, what are you and Kat doing? And I was like, we're going to go talk shit, smoke hookah. We're just, we're fairly blunt. I don't think we're mean. No. I think that's an, an arguable statement, though. Depending on who we're with. I know that a lot of things that we say could be taken in a really negative way, Mm -hmm. even if we don't intend them to be. But that's because of the bluntness. And I'm not that person who's like, I'm just being honest. I don't like that. No. We know enough about each other. I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm just going to tell you the truth. And it's Mm -hmm. not going to be like, 
Usually I'm not trying to be a bitch. We both know. We have known each other for 10 years now. It's not weird. It's bizarre. It's so weird. Um, So we've known each other for 10 years, and in knowing each other for that long, we've grown to know each other very well. Yeah. And we know how we can talk to each other. And I think we're much better at, like, predicting each other's reactions to things. Yeah. Like, there's never a time when I've been like, fuck off, or anything. (laughs) But, like... We have definitely been, like, in the moment, like, well, fuck you, like, when we're, like, freaking out about shit. Yep. And that, like, it's not an offensive thing between the two of us. No, because we know if someone gets to that point where they're going to say fuck off or fuck you, we know that we've hit a nerve and we need to go back and figure out what that nerve was. Yeah. And and work through that. But with Thea and Gavin, they they haven't been together that long. They start at the end, which is the problem. Yeah. Because... The whole issue becomes, well, you never said anything, and she's like, well, you never asked. Mm-hmm. And this, I feel, is a very common issue in, like, any relationship. Like, yeah. professional, personal, romantic, whatever. And it's it's this issue of, like, it goes both ways. I may not think to ask if I don't think something's wrong. Yeah. But you knowing something's wrong should maybe voice that. Mm-hmm. And I think people are so afraid of the backlash of that that they don't. And so that creates this tension and that's what's happening in this book. She we, thinks they're doing a great job yeah. as a couple. They're like this power couple in his mind. And she's like, hold on. <laughs> we don't no. have that. You think we do. That's a facade that I've put on. And she even says to him, like, the sex is the least of our worries. Mm-hmm. And I can understand where that's coming from. Because they're not talking about the sex. And it's not to say that it's bad sex. It's that the whole issue is that she's faking orgasm. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you're having bad sex, because good sex doesn't always mean an orgasm. If you expect an orgasm every time, and you've gotten one every time, like a real one, you are probably in, like, the smallest percent of you are people. You are the luckiest human I guess we're ever. females, we should specifically this <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's a little bit different. Our makeup's a lot different than males, but yeah. if you are having that constantly, congratulations you have, to you. You can have really good sex and not have an orgasm. Yeah, you can. I've had it. I'm pretty sure you have. Oh, yeah, but, like, that's... The goal, of course, is not always just to be, like, like settled for that or whatever. No, But no. that's what's happening here. She's not accusing him of being bad at sex. No. She never says that, but that's how he takes it, and that's a huge communication flaw. He and takes so, it as a personal attack against him. Which is really sad, because I think that's pretty accurate to how couples talk about sex once they've been in, like, a monotonous... Not... I want to say it's boring, but, like... They had a very structured lives because Thea was really in on structure and scheduling. She had this huge schedule in the kitchen. Which wasn't who she was before, but she felt she had to be that way because of the events and the training and the kids and all this stuff. Yeah, and it starts out, Gavin and Thea are dating for a little bit. They've only been together for a couple months when Thea finds out she's pregnant. Yeah. And Gavin wants to do right by her. They get married. They have twins. super stoked. He's very excited about it, and she's kind of like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Um, so her life changed in an instant. Especially because he knew he was going to go pro. Yeah. He's going to be, he was most likely going to be called up to the majors. He was still very young, but that was like a thing. And he knew she didn't really understand what that meant, but he did. Yeah. And he was too excited to think about the consequences. Well, and their communication issues start from the very beginning when Thea finds out she's pregnant and she hides from Gavin. And then he's like, marry me. And she's like, okay. Yeah. And it's like... You have so much to work through. Don't do that right off the bat. I can see why that's like 
a gut instinct. Someone yeah. wants to take care of you. Someone's not going to be mean to you because you fucked up or whatever. Yeah. Whatever you're feeling on the inside. Not that you fucked up. Yeah. But, like, that's your feeling. And so that, it just, it starts. And so they have to go back through all of these emotions of, like, her father and his abandonment and being a bad dad and, like, all this stuff. And then him being, like, just overexcited and his dad, Gavin's dad, being like, listen, you knew what you are getting into and she didn't and you need to chill. Yeah. And he's like, oh, man, you're right. (laughs) Yeah. Gavin does a lot of growing up in this book. It was a big slap in the face and even though it started out really negatively, Mm -hmm. it ended really positively, which is great because that's the kind of romance I like. So that's the interesting thing I think about this romance. We're going to talk to about, um, so let's move from communication, I guess. Let's Mm -hmm. move to how the point of view is... Male. Male. For a majority of the book. We have instances where we jump into Thea's point of view, but for the most part, we're in Gavin's. And that's not something we normally see. And on top of that, we don't start in the happy and work our way to the conflict. We start in the conflict. A lot of how we started Fixer Up. Yeah. It was very similar and also baseball. What's up with that? Travis Ford and Gavin Scott. Do they know each other? <laughs> do they play against each other? Oh, I bet they do. A great crossover. If you guys want ideas, contact me. <laughs> but we don't always have a majority point of view as male because we get the back and forth a lot. Mm-hmm. But because romance novels are essentially written for women yeah. by women, we get a lot of the woman side of the story, which is not a bad thing. No. Um, but... We've also read some not good point of view, just like blurbs, not full on books, because I feel like we would smack our faces against the table. It would be awful. Um, But we have read portions of books, even in the last um, the anthology that we did, Mm -hmm. where the point of view of the male was like not quite right, not quite what you needed it to be to match up to the female. It was a little stagnant for that one, and I think with this, Lissa did a good job. Of putting us in the male protagonist, the male hero's mind, and watching his emotions because he had a roller coaster of emotions. Yeah, and I think a lot of the problem with some of these romance novels is that we're not getting the emotion from the hero. I feel like she was also able to capture a lot of his negativity toward himself in the mm-hmm. beginning and his disbelief that his friends weren't just giving him a lot of shit. Yeah, because if someone seriously came to me, even as myself, and was like. So you're going to read this romance novel, and it's going to help you fix your love life. It's going to fix the problem. Yeah. I'd be like, okay. Whatever. (laughs) And so for his friends, because this is a secret group, Mm -hmm. for his friends to be like, dude, listen, we all do this. We've all had problems, but you have to be like, open route. And then they start talking about... All of their problems that they went through. How these books have helped them, not because it gives them the words, but because it gives them the perspective and the understanding and the... It gives them gesture yeah. idea and why this is ne- like a necessity. So what I found really interesting too is that they flat out tell Gavin, you cannot mirror your life to this book. Right. Don't it's a manual, do it. it's not a play by play. Exactly. And yeah. Gavin doesn't, doesn't do that. He essentially he t- I look at this as like taking the easy way out. Mm-hmm. Step one, do this, step two, do this, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think he realized that he messed it up when he did it that way because he didn't trust the process because he still thought they were just, like, messing around. Yeah. And 
It's so weird because I've never ever thought of a romance novel as a manual to like a woman's emotion. But I can no. see why this works. It worked so well. It worked so well. And not just so because well. it was formulated for the book. No. But just um, as a way to understand the perspective of someone who feels that they're like not wanted mm-hmm. or a burden mm-hmm. or that doesn't understand that your way of showing love is much different than theirs. Yeah. Which is something we've talked about. I don't know if we talked about on here, but. Personally, like, I always talk about, like, I'm not good at words of affection. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm good at gestures. Yeah. And that's something that people often don't understand. Yeah. And it's it was fascinating to see that these were men who used these to better their lives. Better and their romantic lives. they actually bettered themselves. Yeah. Because it wasn't just a band-aid. It wasn't just, oh, this is what this guy did, so I'll do the same thing. It yeah. was a, oh, well, this is why I need to ask her questions about this. Or understand why she's interested in this thing. They did a deeper dive and within it was, themselves. It was like therapy, like self-guided therapy. Yeah, with romance novels. Yeah, which is fine. But that also means that they, at some point... Sorry, I pulled away. No, that's like, okay. It um, was all right. <laughs> I just, like, pulled away back. Um, but that means that at some point, someone who, like, formed this group or whatever also understood which romance novels to be reading. They're reading, like, a historical romance in this one. Yeah. But they all have, like, all these different books that they mm-hmm. bring to him and stuff. He and, gets that bag of books oh that gosh. he hides and in the like, closet. And behind the couch. That was but, um, so funny. It's just, it. it's a big deal that they had to do some trial and error. Because yeah. had you picked Fifty Shades of Grey, which I know is always our shitpost kind of It's a shitposty book, though. But had they based this, had Lissa K. Adam been, like, Fifty Shades is the manual. Oh, It would have made it so much worse. Because then you're talking sugar daddies. Then you're talking doms and subs. You're talking things that aren't going into someone's psyche. You're talking things that are going to someone's fetishes. Yes. And, and you're, you're not here to play with people's fetishes. You're here to learn your spouse. Well, and not only that, but that is a very particular subset oh in God. in romance. Oh, my gosh. This reminds me. I have a question for you. I'll ask you later. It just like pops in your head. Go okay, ahead. sorry. So that <laughs> that's that's a good thing though that these guys went out and they did a lot of trial and error. First they off, had to. these are men reading romance, and they keep telling him like, "Oh, you're not ready for this book. What part are you in?" Yeah, and it just it speaks volumes to see someone who's willing to do that because we have male friends. Our male friends do not read romance. Our male friends were lucky We've if we tried. can get them to read a book, period, end We've of story. Tried. They are just interested in other things. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily that they're not interested in relationship stuff. Nope. But if I handed someone courting the Countess in our friend group, they'd go, what? I do think it's interesting that some of them have read the books that I teach. And so we'll have conversations about that sometime. And I think that's, like, fascinating. That is really cool, though. Because I'll, I remember I, like, brought them home even. Mm-hmm. And they were read, and I was like, okay, like, no, that's, like, awesome. But also, what? I, so we have a pretty decent friends group. I mean, we've talked about how how great we all vibe together. I think one of my favorite things is that we can sit down and talk about books in the garage at Garage Night, smoking hookah, have passing craft beers around kind of a thing. (laughs) That's the kind of people we are. But I don't think that I can see any of our male friends 
willingly reading a romance novel unless it was a situation like this where they had other male friends who were like, listen, if you want to save that relationship, you have to read this and you have to trust us. There was a lot of trust that Gavin had to put into these guys. Because like I said, if someone said that to me, I'd be like, you're full of it. Go away. I'm not doing that. figure it out on my own. Yeah. I'll go to the library. Yeah. So (laughs) it was, it was interesting. And I 100% commend the author for using romance novels as a manual for, for a romance. Also, this wouldn't work if, how do I want to wear this? Like, if this was a real life thing that you would, I feel like you would have to have a book that you're like, this is a book that speaks to me. Mm-hmm. Like for me, it'd be Alicia Rye, right? Yeah. Like if someone wants to understand why I am the way I am, they should probably read that book. Yep. I don't care if you're male or female, you're my friend or my boyfriend or whatever. You might want to give that a try so that you can understand what the fuck is happening in my head. But they don't have that option here. No, no. And I think everybody has that book that speaks to them. Um, mine is a young adult novel, Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda. Yeah, I knew you were gonna say it. It's one of my favorites. I got my daughter to read it. She loved it too. Um, I just it was interesting to see that these men have clearly gone through the trial and error. And I like that. It is that. important. And it wasn't like this long drawn out process. No. It was, here's what you're going to do. Follow the rules. Mm-hmm. Don't mess it up. He messes it up, of course, because he doesn't trust the process, which I think is um, pretty common in romance novels anyway. But it's pretty common in the alpha male. If you think about it. Well, because if you're the alpha male, you're supposed to know what you're doing all the time. And you're always right. You're all messed up. Yeah. Can we take a moment, though, to talk about how this is a book within a book? Because there are portions of... Of the book. Of the book. Yeah. In this book. Which is crazy to me. She wrote two books, essentially. Because you have to so much work. think about, like, okay, this is happening in this book, which means now this needs to happen in this portion of the, the fake but book. But it makes sense, too. Yeah. Because if you think about, like, Rowling and stuff, like, that's books and poems and history within, within. a short series. Yeah. A relatively short series. Yeah. So, like, it's not, it's just not common well, here, yeah, right? no, so. there's there's also a young adult novel, um, author, Rainbow Rowell. She did a book called Fangirl. And in Fangirl, the character writes fan fiction. And at the beginning of each chapter is a little chunk of that fan fiction. Everybody was like, okay, Fangirl was great, but can we have the fan fiction, though? Like, I want to read that. <laughs> and it was essentially like if Harry Potter and Draco Malfoy had gotten together. Oh, of course. So it was Simon and Baz or whatever. And she actually wrote... The oh, book fantastic. for the fan fiction. And let me just tell you, it was better than the actual book that it was came from. Wow. I just want to say that. Oh my God. It was really fun. I got my daughter that book as well. Um, so let's see. Do you want to talk about... Um, the, we talked about a lot. Let's talk about the one thing that you were the most concerned about when you flipped through the book and went, oh my God, I don't know how I feel. Oh, the stuttering. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and it's going to sound terrible, and I'm well aware of that, that that was my reservation with this book. Mm-hmm. And I know that it sounds, like, in a weird way prejudiced, but, and I, I've taught kids that have stutters. I, I don't think we've ever had a friend that had a stutter, but we definitely no. have had friends that have, like, lisps. Mm-hmm. Or, like, some kind of speech impediment. Yep. And I'm not saying, like, you I'm not going to be your friend, or, like, whatever. That's not the thing. The problem is that when you give someone a stutter in a book or when you write a stutter in some kind of journalistic view, 
it's very difficult sometimes for people to read, and I'm one of those people. Okay. And, like, it's the same thing, like, I know we're talking about Harry Potter, but um, Professor Quirrell? Mm-hmm. Really hard to read. I can't read per- Professor Quirrell. I can't. Because it's, it makes your brain stutter, too. Yeah. And it makes it really difficult. And so when I was flipping through and I read the one, the scene where they're laying in bed, mm-hmm. like, together, like, he had spent the night or whatever, mm-hmm. and it was going to be sexy. And then he's stuttering, and I was like, oh, my God, it's going to be this huge distraction. Be- not because I want to correct it. And, like, I understand about stuttering. I understand a lot of things about it. It's just in a book when you read it, it's difficult to move past it sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I was like, all right, we're going to read it. It's going to be fine. Like, even if it drives me crazy, it, we're going to get through it. And it was fine. Honestly, it was fine. Once I got into the story, it was okay. It was just one of those things where it was something that I don't want to say it was a turnoff. It was a concern. A concern. Yeah. A concern because that I had. Kat texted me. I had already started <laughs> the book. Yeah. And Kat texts me and says, have you flipped through this yet? And I said, I've already started it. Yeah. And she says, did you know he stutters? And I said, yeah, we've kind of gotten into that a little bit. Like I wasn't very far in. And she had a lot of reservations and I had to say, okay, but I'm already reading it. Let me tell you, it's not as bad as you think. Yeah. Um, So that kind of helped. But I also had forewarning. Because I had listened right. to another podcast. Shout out to Shelf Love Pod. They covered this. Um, so I knew that that was a thing. But the stutter isn't just a stutter to be a stutter. The stutter is there as it a device. It has a lot to do with his confidence and stuff. And yeah. I understand that it was something I didn't know. Because mm-hmm. there's no mention of it. And no. it doesn't have to be. No. Like, that's not always a thing that we need. But um, it was just one of those things where you're like, oh, like caught off guard. And mm-hmm. I was like... Is this going to be something that distracts me from the storyline? Luckily, it wasn't. Thank so God. if I were to recommend this, I wouldn't even be concerned about that. I don't even know that I would um, mention it, honestly. No, because I don't think... It, once you get into the story, it doesn't matter. No, no. And the, and it is, it's a plot device used kind of not as a way to move the characters forward. It's a plot device that's there and... It's because, you know, Gavin had the stutter and he didn't think anybody was ever going to like him. None of the girls liked him in school because he stuttered. It was awful. That girl was such a bitch. Didn't like her at all. Terrible. And then he meets Thea and she doesn't care about the stutter. She's the first girl who's ever looked at him for who he is and not because of the stutter. And that was used as a way to show him building his self-confidence. Right. And, and so it was having someone backing him. It was an important tool in this. It was just a thing that if you don't know that it's coming at you. Mm-hmm. But it also, so it also leads us into this idea of the wags, the wags and girls. We talked about it earlier already. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the like insults that they have about Fia and Gavin is about his stutter. Yeah. Which when you in real life, start commenting on specific things that are out of people's control, that makes you a bad person in my book. I just talk to kids about bullying all the fucking time. I'm like, okay, do you understand that's not a thing that's in their control? Do you Mm -hmm. think that's fair? I have, you know, my sister growing up couldn't say her R's. It was super cute. My sister was just the R's. My niece has the same thing. Not as bad as my sister did. 
Um, and then, you know, speaking of things that are outside of the person's ability to control, my daughter was born with that birth defect. And those things play a lot on a person's confidence. And it can be very difficult. And the wags pointing out the stutter would be the time my daughter was on the playground and some kid told my daughter that she was ugly because her eyes looked funny. And my daughter took a moment to say, well, you're ugly because your personality is ugly and <laughs> moved on. Oh my God. So there's some people who are able to kind of hold their own, but then there's other people that aren't. And right. when someone points out something that is out of your control, that's a stab to your confidence. You have a harder time kind of coping with that thing that you can't really help. It's there. It's a thing. It's something you live with every day. And it sucks to have to defend something that you are not in control of. Yeah. Because you shouldn't have to do that. No. That's not a thing that you should have to do. And it's this whole problem that a lot of people have where it's like you can see that that's something that makes them vulnerable and makes them uncomfortable and that's what you're going to go after. And it's yeah. obvious. And I'm sorry, but if that's the best you can do, then you're a weak person. That is low-hanging fruit. Mm -hmm. That is, that is, that makes you a horrible person. Yeah. Like you said, that makes you just a terrible it person. It makes you the loser, is what it is. And so that's what happens at this, like, function where this terrible woman, mm. I looked up her name right now, so I was doing. Okay. Um, her name is Rachel. Of course it is. And she's, like, the perfect wag. Ugh, whatever, yeah. Rachel. The perfect wag. She's married to another player. And she's really mean to Fia all this Isn't time. Isn't the her husband the captain, or something? Mm, I don't think so. I don't remember. I don't remember. I just know his Jake. Yeah, it's Rachel and Jake. Anyways, she's mean to Fia like all the time because Fia doesn't fit in, and because she kind of openly accuses Fia of getting pregnant on purpose so that she can marry someone who's going to be worth a lot of money, and she throws a lot of like rude things at her, and she's like. Well, some of us didn't have to work as hard for our position or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wow, you're rude. Well, and not only that, but Rachel kind of accuses Thea of abandoning Gavin because Thea wants to go back to school. She wants to go back to art school. Yeah. And she put that on hold for Gavin's career. Right. And Rachel and the rest of the women in the WAGs assume that... Is that for Nessa? We like Nessa. And yeah. then another one. There was... She... Yeah, I can't remember her name either. Um... It's been a while since I finished this, okay? But they are under the assumption that they need to drop their lives to support their husbands and boyfriends. If someone asks you to drop your whole career, you probably shouldn't do that. No, don't do There's that. There's specific exceptions to that. I work in self-storage. I would drop mine. Just as a volunteer. But there are, like, specific situations. If you are married to someone in the military and they get orders, you don't have a choice. No. You are going. You go. Sometimes people don't go, though, yeah. which I find fascinating. But they're like, no, I'm staying here. Like, how do you make that work? And, like, all our kids are like, my dad is stationed in, like, wherever. And I'm like, like how does your mother do it? But then, yeah. you know, they'll come back or whatever. It yeah. just depends. But just, just so much. Um, she was awful. I, I didn't like Rachel. And it was, we had little instances of her and the other women that followed her, her little cronies, if you will. Oh, my God, yes. And we had instances throughout the book, and at the end, Thea's like, fuck this. She finally has some fire in her, and she's mm -hmm. like, you know what? You're gonna, you're gonna eat your, your own words today. Like, well, and not only that, that happens, and her husband 
Rachel's husband is like, wait, what? You've been doing this this whole time? Because they already had had a fight. Mm-hmm. And that was, like, why everyone was kind of, like, in an uproar. And then Thea goes to the bathroom, and she's rounding the corner, and she hears these women talking. And one of the insults, which is such a weird insult, is like, do you think Gavin stutters in bed? And it's like, who cares? Why do you want to know? Why is, why is that your business? If that's the worst thing that happens while you're fucking... Listen, I would probably okay. I would be more concerned if he was like a Fifty Shades of Grey type person right. rather than his stutter. Just, it was just crossing a line and Thea lost her cool. And I don't blame her. She became really protective. She tells her to fuck off. Mm-hmm. And the other one are like, oh, shit. And then all the men come up and they're like, oh, no. Yeah. And it's like this huge turning point, not just because Thea has already decided at the beginning of, I think it was a Thanksgiving meal. Yeah. Where she gave Rachel hell. Yeah. And she was like, um, well, I'm doing this for myself, and Gavin supports me, mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And we're just like, oh, we'll see, you know. Yeah. Kind of bitchy. It was interesting, too, because that was the turning point for everyone. Yeah, and it was closer to the end of the book was that fancy night out that they yeah, had. Yeah, that was the awards ceremony yeah. that they had. And it was, it was interesting, because that was kind of the night that they realized they do want to be together. They do want to try to fix this. Mm-hmm. But that is also right around the time that Thea finds, actually, Thea's sister, Liv, mm-hmm. points it out, go find the books. And Thea finds out that he's been lying and using these no- romance novels as manuals. And she reads the one. And, you know, they work through that pretty quickly because it's not as big of a deal. You know, they've grown. Right. She, she finally is like, okay, I've been being stupid about this. Yeah. But take the trip to her dad. Mm-hmm. And the grand gesture. Oh, thing, the grand gesture. Is, I love grand gestures, but this one was especially fun because she's like, you know, I need to talk to my dad. He's being married. So she drives down to his wedding mm-hmm. and like, you know, kind of, kind of gives him hell too about like, why were you such a bad father? And he's like, I know I was a bad father and I didn't want that and like all this stuff, right? Well, and Gavin and the guys are going to a photo shoot. They're in the supposed opposite, to. Yeah, they're on a plane going and they realize what's happening and they're like, you have to get her. And they get off the plane and they rush down mm-hmm. to save her kind of a thing. It's this big grand gesture and yeah. they make it work in the end. And, you know, Gavin is kind of surprised to find out that Thea also reads romance and he's like wait this whole time because she's like, going, yeah. like they're on my e-reader yeah because the other guys are like oh she definitely reads it mm-hmm. and he's like no she never does and I'm like yeah she yeah does. she does even if you read the bible you're gonna read some romance of course it'll be Christian romance it'll be boring yeah but <sighs> they kiss and she's a woman now Whatever. Um, I want to weirdly say that I found that there was a missed opportunity here. Okay. Um, that this is so. This is the question that I was going to ask you, and why I was like being weird. Um, nowhere in this was there any kind of sex toy. No. Which to me is also strange. Not that you need a sex toy or you must have a sex toy. But that if you are knowing yourself well, mm-hmm. if you are unsatisfied, mm-hmm. you probably have one. And he never once asks her, and she never once refers to it. And it made me think, we haven't had, other than Dale, any <laughs> sex toys. Dale. <laughs> in our books. 
We haven't, have we? No, and dill is like a legit vibrator, not a sad jelly dildo. <laughs> oh, sad Which jelly dildo. also is a difference, too. But it's just, I had that weird realization that this, of all the books we read, I would have expected a conversation because he goes right into, do you masturbate? Yeah. And she's like, do you masturbate? And I'm like, wait, <laughs> there's so much happening. But there's no conversation about a sex toy. So are you saying that our Valentine's Day read needs to involve a sex toy? Needs to involve a sex toy? Like, I mean, I have a book that it could work for. (laughs) It's just, it's just one of those things where I never thought about it, but it's so common in, oh God, like. It's common in life in general. in our garage night conversations conversations with our specific friend. There is always a question. Always a question. That which we night, happily answer, and it's fine. That night we had a whole well, conversation. I make yeah, I have to answer. I don't him. always answer. Because I don't care, and I'll answer anything. That and was he's, he's pretty blunt about his mm-hmm. questions. Anyways, but it just made me realize, like, that's such a normal part of how you're supposed to, like, take care of yourself in a way and get to know yourself better. But that's not a thing that they explore at all. But they talk about masturbation. So are you going to ask, does Thea own a Captain America butt plug? <laughs> oh, God, I hope not. that is definitely a garage night conversation. Oh, Lord. Do goodness. those things exist? And I would like you to know, yes, Ugh. Marvel Universe sex toys exist, and it's bizarre. I just can't. Anyways, it was just a weird realization. I'm not saying that all of our books from now on have to have sex toys. No, <laughs> no. Weird. Or, like, we're not going down that weird dominatrix. I mean, we could. Thing. We could, but I don't think we're quite there yet. We're not ready for erotica. I don't think so. We're going through the rom-coms. We're going to eventually have to go back to some historicals at some point. I think so, too. But, anyways, it was just one of those realizations that I had, and I was like, wait, they get right to the talk about it. Yeah. And then it stops. Because they're fighting when they're talking about mm-hmm. masturbating. But then I was remembering in Fix Her Up was when we had Dale, the vibrator. So funny. And they kind of glossed over that. And she's like, well, yeah, of course I have a vibrator. Like, whatever. Everyone does. It's not a big deal. But then in this book, it was a very good opportunity to talk about that kind of stuff. And it stopped. Not, like I said, I don't need that conversation in the book. It was just fascinating to me that we got so close to very open conversation about masturbating and then nothing. Yet so, so far away. So weird. Yeah. Um. Was that a thing that you've ever thought about? I have such no. That you know, and that's surprising because I am the one who answers all the weird sex toy questions at Garage Night. You leave those to me. (laughs) I don't know why. I don't know why either. (laughs) Probably because you know I'll answer them because I have no shame. I don't know, but it was just it was just a thing. It was just a thing that I. That you had that popped into your but head. I feel like if they had added it, it wouldn't have taken anything away from the story, no. and it would have been like a healthy sex conversation. Yeah, that people don't often have. I don't think they did eventually have a healthy sex conversation. Yeah, they just, did eventually have really good healthy sex too. Which also I feel set me up for expecting to have really good sex all the time. But I don't know how it's possible after so many years of not great sex. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the one thing we haven't talked about? There, it has a star. Yeah. Okay, so we talked about this, and I was like, please tell me there's a sequel. And Jessica was like, yes, there's a sequel. Yep. And I was like, is it Mac and Liv? I know it's Mac. 
it better fucking be Liv, because he was so engrossed in her, even though she was surly and bitchy, because he ate her food. I just, I want them to be in love, because he's, like, cocky, but he's also, like, super sweet, but he doesn't get along with Gavin. No. Nope. And it would just be, like, the perfect brother-in-law moment. I love the fact that Gavin and Mac, he knows he doesn't like Mac, they get along. They get, they, in a weird, in like tumultuous a way. Shit kind yeah. Of way. The whole way that friendship started was Mac ate the apple his daughter gave him. <laughs> My daughter gave me that apple. Like, oh, okay. Whatever. Hey, would you like to know that book number two is called Undercover Bromance? Nice. And it follows. Oh, God, do they read The Taming of the Shrew? Because that would no. be lit. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> it would be, but I don't think they do. Um, No, it is Mac and Liv. Yes. Called it. You're so excited. Not that it was a big surprise, but. It looks like they're going to be reading a romantic suspense. Okay. Oh, look, inspired by the romantic suspense novel they're reading. I just looked at the cover. Of course. Because, you know, it's an illustrated cover, and he's reading what looks to be a romantic suspense. Of course. So, yeah. Um, I guess now is the time to go into ratings. Oh, my goodness. It's been so long since I've had a high rating for something. It has been. I know. What are you going to rate it? I'm going to go... 4.5. Oh my god, me too! Really? Oh, that's so weird. <laughs> it's funny because we never share our ratings beforehand, and they're often the same, but yeah. for very different reasons. Yeah, this one I felt was well-crafted. Mm-hmm. It was, it had a lot of things that I have never seen in a romance that I thought were done very well. It was just a very different take on a romance novel that still completely qualifies as a romance mm-hmm. novel. Like, there's nothing about this where I'd be like, it's not a romance. That's novel. not, that's not something that it's romance. Not. We were all together, I think, impressed with not just the storyline, but the consistency of why it was so important to look at romance novels not as like a stupid woman thing, mm-hmm. but as a like, hey, if you want to understand what's going on, you need to dig a little bit deeper than just women like PSLs. Yeah. Which was also in that, but. Their whole quote is one of my favorite quotes about, like, just because women like something doesn't make it stupid. And that's so true that that's, like, a thing. There is several points made in this book. Um, About patriarchal expectations. There were so many things that were said about women reading romance and why we get so much flack for reading romance. And it's not just romance. It's leggings. It's braiding your hair. It's having pumpkin spice lattes. It's having mixed drinks. Which, I'm sorry, but I will always remember there's, like, this stupid post on Tumblr about, like, well, why would I want a girly drink instead of my beer? It's because, like, the girly drink has, like, five times the alcohol as your fucking beer. Yes, it does. For less money. There, I mean, there were points made on why modern romance novelists continue to use um, the patriarchal society of the old er- British aristocracy. There are, you know, points made about women reading these romances and being looked down upon because they drink, you know, pumpkin spice lattes and all that fun crap. To be fair, we do give people a lot of shit for PSLs. Because they're That's nasty. Because they're not very good. They're gross. Because they don't taste like pumpkin to me. 
They taste disgusting. I've only ever smelled one. I don't drink coffee. I think coffee's disgusting. I love but it talks about these men explaining that, listen, we as a gender are idiots. We're stupid. And it did a good job. It did a really good job of that. And the romance started out at the end and worked its way up to a romance again. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting and it was fascinating and it was fun to see. And it was something that we haven't read before. And it was, even though it was a serious topic, it was written in a more lighthearted fashion than a lot of like the historical romances Mm -hmm. we've read, where it's really like a do or die situation. Like this would have been the end of their world. Mm -hmm. But the way that it was handled was so different and so interesting that it made it a much easier read emotionally. And it was still funny. Yeah, it was funny. There were parts where I tried to contain myself laughing on the airplane. So people would be like, fuck is that this family? Who was this lady? Uh, there weren't super sexy sex scenes, Mm-mm. which is fine. We didn't need them. It was just disappointing I didn't get to read them out loud on the plane like I threatened to do. <laughs> um, there was a sex scene where they're, like, getting down and she's, like, riding his hand. And then their child comes in and they just put the kid in the bed with them. And I was like, but you were just about to fuck. Listen. That's weird. You don't have children. I don't. Ruins everything. Morning sex is difficult when you have a child. It was just, how did you go from about to... How did you go from 60 to zero? cuddle my little child. It's difficult. It's difficult. So yeah, we both gave it a four and a half out of five stars. Yeah. We really enjoyed this one. I do suggest that people read this one. Um, I want to wave it in their faces. My mom wants to read it. Good. So she's like, I want to read that when you're done. And I'm like, okay, let me record the episode first before I yeah. hand it off to you. And they'll never see it. Again. Exactly. Um, so what's our next book? Is it Rape? No. No, no, no. It's Twice in a Blue Moon. Yes. By Christina Ward. I'm so excited. Yeah. I'm in the first half. It's pretty good so far. I'm a little bit worried. I am 100 pages to the end. Nice. It's so soft. It's so soft. I'm why? Oh, my emotions are so bad. You're emo- <laughs> just lately. <laughs> are you in a glass case of emotion? Listen, I don't know what I am. Like, I feel like I'm a dandelion. Oh, like, that's awful. Yeah, so- it's just been a lot <laughs> the last three weeks. So join us next time when we discuss Twice in a Blue Moon by Christina Lauren. Um, I'm excited to talk about it. We will see where Cat is. When we get to that yeah, point. Yeah, i cry. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I haven't cried yet. Okay, but remember when I read Alicia Rye and I cried like every ten pages? Fair, and I'm not as emotional. Oh, so emotional lately. Okay. That makes sense, so. I cried so much. You cried so much. So much over the last week. God. I know. Anyways, okay. we don't have to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> we can cut that part out. <laughs> yes, I will cut that out. Uh, so yeah, join us next time. It's going to be a fun time. As we continue on our journey of romance authors who are going to be part of the Tucson Festival of Books. Yes. I'm going to start linking the festival website in the show notes. Um, Good. Along with our favorite bookstore, Mostly Books. That has been in the show notes for a couple months now. So shop them online, support local businesses, and we'll talk to you next time. Awesome. Bye! Bye.